Hello there. You're listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host. Today we are speaking with Vaza Halinka, CEO of Awareability Technologies, an Internet of Things technology company. In addition to consulting with clients on their data capture investments and needs, his company produces hardware that can operate in ultra-low power and no-power environments. Prior to Awareability, Vazel held consulting and leadership positions at a number of technology and IT companies. In addition to independent consulting, his portfolio includes work at Lockbridge, CompuWare, and BMW Financial Services. He holds a bachelor's degree in electrics and electronic engineering at the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Vazel, welcome to the show. Thank you. <clears throat> My pleasure to, to be here, and thank you for inviting me. Let's start with an overview of Awareability. Who are your primary customers, and what is your approach to fulfilling their needs? Sure. So Awareability Technologies is an early-stage tech startup. Um, you know, we aim to carve out a niche in this thing called Internet of Things, IoT market. Uh, it's a big market by all estimates, uh, depending on which one you look at, which expert. Uh, currently valued over $100 billion um, and expected to have double-digit annual growth for the foreseeable future. So very bullish there. Our initial market entry is aimed at a small but really important remote wireless sensor market, uh, specifically deploying remote wireless sensors in situations that are currently impossible or impractical due to battery or other power technology limitations. Um, our vision, fundamentally, we aim to provide valuable information to businesses from sources unattainable today. That would be probably what I would say we, where we want to go. Um, as I mentioned, uh, you asked about customers. Or, you know, we are very early stage, and we're working on developing a demo-quality power source, which is one of our uh, portions of the solution. Um, various electronics companies and sensor-based solution providers have expressed very real interest in seeing the power source, seeing that demo. So we have quite a bit of um, interest and expect quite a bit of, um, of, of quite a few demos once that's available. Um, and I, I don't know if you asked about what needs we, we fulfill. Yes. Um, so, so of those customers, you know, and when you talk about IoT and, and specifically around sensors, remote sensors, um, power and security are two big issues that, that you run into. They're two big limiting factors in IoT deployments. Uh, and we aim to help solve the power problem. That's, that's part of our, our, our push. Um, there is a tremendous appetite for information um, and information that can then be fed into new analytics, such as predictive analytics and machine learning and so forth. Um, the usefulness and success of these new analytics are completely dependent on getting enough information and getting the right uh, information. Uh, and we see our ability to deliver new high-quality information sources uh, as, as the perfect place to be. Uh, you know, as, as this IoT hype really moves from uh, promise to reality, uh, boy, I'll, I'll tell you, being in the data space, especially being in the uh, space where you can provide information, not just raw data, and especially if you can provide new sources of information, we, we we're very bullish on that spot. So in short, you're connecting the sensors to the, the data and then the data analytics. 
In in some yeah, we're helping solve that problem. I mean, it's a whole chain, uh, if you will, and depending on the application and deployment, we'll play a portion of that. We don't need to do the whole thing, but certainly we would live in that in that process, that chain. On the company website, I read that the culture is based on design, think, inspire philosophy. Can you expand on that? Sure. Uh, we we sus- subscribe to the notion that our technology is only meaningful and only relevant if that technology is meaningful to people and, and, and their lives. Uh, borrowing from the design think process that's very prevalent in, in you know design and creative work, uh, personal experience of that is, in my case, is UI, UX, and other computer-centric, computer software-centric versions of that process. But having that as the, the, you know, borrowing from that really helps to reinforce the need to validate our innovations against what the eventual human consumer of that innovation, what their needs are. Um, even though we see ourselves as a B2B company, we, we really strive and desire to understand and empathize with the end user, the, the, the consumer, the citizen uh, that ultimately that technology is aimed at. Um, we also use this to help vet ideas. Um, if there is no tangible human-centered benefit that we can articulate and understand and empathize with, we shouldn't be pursuing that. So we do use that as a, as a vetting idea. And then finally, in a kind of a tactical level, we, we also get process benefits. Um, since the design think methodology, if I use that word, is, is very heavily tilted toward innovation anyway. Um, certainly, divergent, convergent thinking and other components of design think uh, really fit well to what we do. Innovative, early tech startup, there's a lot of innovating we have to do. So that, that helps, certainly. Um, and, on, and then finally, we've added a few other things from experience to really help make it a, a more practical approach. Uh, we've added elements of agile um, and then a few other elements from some older iterative methodologies just to help us uh, with project management and those type of things that design think doesn't really emphasize. But, but we, we really like the philosophy based on that because, again, it's really human-centered, human-focused. So I like that a lot. Yeah. Let's talk about um, IoT in the, um, you know, in the in the environment that that we're in right now. You know, what are you what are you seeing as the most common problems that companies are having with uh, Internet of Things, strategic deployment and management? Yeah. So, um, you know, in terms of uh, what we're seeing, um, and and you know, IoT and strategic deployment. So. Um, you know, clearly with the caveat that, I, you know, it's still all indicators are that we're still still in the early days of, of the adoption of IoT. And I think that term and the acronym is going to evolve and change over time. But currently, there, there really are two big limiting factors, as I touched on earlier, um, power and security. Many of the interesting ideas to apply IoT require electronics to be in places where it's really difficult to power them. And the battery, which is the alternative today, possibly solar and a few other uh, um, you know, alternatives, are, are insufficient. So there's still a, a big barrier. You, uh, changing batteries and the logistics around that are really problematic in many cases. Uh, and then security, it's, it's, um, uh, it's, a, it's a new 
surface for people to attack and potentially get into organizations. So security is a, a big concern. Uh, and, and being able to solve those two are really uh, important to make progress. Uh, and, and again, our focus, we're looking to help solve that power issue, uh, at least in certain types of deployments. Um, there is also a problem of, I'll call it use case visualization. Um, once the power and security issues are out of the way, uh, the possibilities and the new innovative solutions really explode. Uh, and many of these solutions require some radical rethinking of the status quo. Um, the, clearly not easily done, uh, requires significant effort. Uh, however, those companies that invest in and solve this rethinking challenges really stand to have a great competitive advantage and, the, and, and a great market growth potential. So there's uh, definitely uh, the, the promise of IoT um, and, and the um, new possibilities that that opens up are, are significant, we believe. Uh, well, the other terminology that seems to be bounced around but not a lot of understanding is associated with it is the machine learning uh, technologies. And uh, I mean, what are the, the trends or the issues you're witnessing as uh, machine learning becomes more integrated into the workplace? Sure. And I'll, I'll start with a little bit of a tactically what we're using. So we, we currently are uh, working on an application of machine learning techniques applied to a sensor array uh, and a, a, a number of, of sensors to basically render that sensor array as smart or intelligent. Uh, some buzzwords, which I'm not crazy about, but that's fundamentally the goal. Uh, we expect to be collaborating with, with manufacturers of larger systems that would potentially use the sensor array being deployed. Um, our, our focus and, and some of the techniques that we're employing. Um, in our example, we use some machine learning techniques such as anomaly detection and general pattern recognition, uh, reinforced learning, and predictive event analysis. Those three are the initial focus areas. Um, and in our case, we are breaking new ground, uh, applying machine learning techniques uh, uh, in, in new areas, areas that really haven't been applied yet. Uh, and we're, we're unclear what the specific data um, and, and what specific data works best with the techniques, what uh, resolution or the quantity of data that will be required uh, will work best. Um, we're unclear what the final results can be expected. So everything's very new for us uh, in our case. And, and um, applying it to, to um, in our case, the the sensor array for the use case will be very innovative, uh, but we do expect to have to learn quite a bit. Um, and, and then maybe that uh, would certainly be something one can project to other um, organizations that are uh, going into machine learning. Uh, not always clear what the results will be and not always clear on the best path. So I think in many ways uh, we, we, uh, we, we are following the, uh, um, or having experiences that others have had as well. Um, and, and, you know, many of the success stories with machine learning um, that, that you read about that are relatively well-known are in areas such as image processing, uh, some web-based sentiment analysis, web-based retail, and so on. A lot of, um, uh, you know, human beings accessing various applications through the Internet which is not our case. We're talking about 
standalone wireless sensors. Um, so, so we're certainly in new and un, in some ways unproven territory. Uh, we're needing to try and, and solve um, some questions around um, where some of this intelligence should be. Uh, should it live in the, in a server in the cloud and uh, in Amazon Web Services, or should it be right on the little sensor in a device or somewhere in between? Um, how much information is really needed to, to make the system smart enough? How often should it learn? So a lot of uh, difficult but interesting uh, challenges as, as part of trying to apply this technique uh, to make the sensor array be smart or intelligent. Um, and, and then finally, in our case, our goal for using this technology, this machine learning and artificial intelligence, is not to replace the human. So our focus is all about human augmentation, uh, maximizing the capability of the individual, uh, you know, by instilling intelligence in this technology is, is our goal. We think uh, having an individual do more, do better quality work, better results is really where the ROI is. Uh, trying to re redo something that a human does better than a computer, we think, is poor, poor strategy. Um, and you know, finding the right development path to make that a reality is where we're uh, working at now. Are there any examples that uh, that come to mind that where you're seeing, um, you know, that that might be promising? Um, some some things that are already being done in companies that uh, you know that might have listeners might be able to uh, understand yes yeah, certainly so so if you can picture yourself as a an operator of a um, let's just pick a nuclear power plant for example <clears throat> you'll see especially in the nuclear industry uh, quite a bit of um, uh, say legacy technology um, and and primarily when you watch what the operator does everything is sort of backward facing they're looking at uh, lots of data, lots of instruments, um, all giving them results of something that just happened. Um, imagine if that, and, and also the operator, a lot of onus on the operator to be sure they look at all the appropriate information every single time that they need to. So you can envision um, how can you help that operator be more effective, uh, maybe be able to do more um, so things such as if you can do some type of anal an analytics from the data and potentially some new data that would allow the operator to get an idea or a heads up that potentially there's a probability of one or two events happening in the future, 10, 15, 20 minutes in the future, that could be enormously uh, beneficial. If there's another way you can apply um, some anomaly detection to all of the data available every single time and present the operator a concise summary of that. That could make their job much more efficient of actually looking at potential problems instead of spending 80% of their time just looking at data. Let's move back to IoT. And you had talked about the importance of power and security. So moving into cybersecurity, I mean, how much should that factor into IoT implementation, are there other considerations that uh, companies should consider? I mean, we're in this whole cloud. I mean, people talk about cloud. There are all these touch points. Um, what, what's the, the connection? Yeah, so, so certainly um, 
for for all of us who are uh, in you know in, in the uh, computer field for sh- for sure internet and so forth security has been top of mind um, IOT I don't see that being any different uh, all indicators are first of all it shouldn't be scary um, there are absolutely best practices around security when followed um, you sh- one should be able to mitigate the security risk in good fashion. It's still a risk. Um, having said that, we're an early stage startup, but even within our early development, security has been top of mind day one. It is a day one concern. Every single thing we do, uh, we analyze and assess um, either an innovation or a technology relative to the security question. Um, and specifically making sure that um, the eventual solution that's deployed, taking it from the customer-centric perspective, that our, our component of that solution properly mitigates the security risk aspect. So it's a day one concern. Every component needs, needs to have that proper security analysis done on it. And so that there's um, plenty of examples of some early uh, IOT type solutions where people took shortcuts and, and, and obviously some, some nasty things happened. Uh, so just an example of making sure that at a minimum, the best practices are followed. Um, you know, as I mentioned, our solutions are expected to be a component of larger systems. Uh, typically, we would expect there to some, be some very specific uh, non-functional security requirements around that, but even so, um, the architecture, the design of our components needs to be as secure as possible. Um, you know, the um, security and, and considering uh, security and, and factoring in um, security and the entire delivery chain is important. Obviously, the, the system is only as secure as its weakest link. Um, I would again argue that's not necessarily anything new. Uh, when, when following best practices, that is absolutely normally done. Uh, there are some um, novel new variables that IoT introduces. Uh, now, uh, in some scenarios, if you have literally thousands of remote devices, thousands of little wireless computers distributed throughout some, some geographic area, clearly now you have an opening for additional headaches you didn't have to deal with before, both um, malicious and accidental, device tampering, um, uh, devices failing or partial failure of, of systems, and, and maybe that opening up certain security pieces. So there certainly are new variables to add to the mix that one has to be aware of. Um, and, and by the way, um, um, nothing new. Every, every client or prospective client we talk to, very much top of mind, and it's not necessarily rocket science, but um, oftentimes the client may not have the time and effort to, to try to deal with yet another security question or security problem. So anything we can do to help offload some of that certainly will help eventually with the sale uh, of, of a product and adoption of that solution by the client. Right. And a lot of OEMs are requiring that NIST 800-171 compliance now. So, that's that's, right. I mean, it's, there's still a lot left to be done, and a lot of companies still don't realize that they need to be compliant, but uh, that's something that's important. 
That's right. That, uh, agreed. So so standards and and um, analogous to um, the adoption of the internet in general, borrowing from the Internet of Things. Uh, clearly, in the early days of internet, uh, security was was a shadow of what it is today. So we fully expect, uh, in similar fashion, that the IoT security standards will evolve and change and be, be more rigorous uh, over time for sure. As a growing business, uh, I'm assuming that you're um, relying on on partners and uh, we connected through Ohio State Center for Design and Manufacturing Excellence. Uh, how has that partnership benefited your company? Yes, yeah, so, so um, and again, using the acronym CDME, um, so we, we were introduced to CDME by, by Rev1 Ventures. Um, and we have benefited tremendously by having that relationship. Um, some of the things that we've benefited are support and guidance. CDME uh, provided us some consultation early days, um, not only in, in terms of some solutioning, but in, in terms of some of the grant opportunities that we initially uh, pursued. Um, again, that was relatively new for us the Small Business Innovation Research, SBIR, grant uh, was relatively new for us, so that was an education process that they helped with. Um, they did partner with us on a National Science Foundation grant, so they provided us a, um, they, they, they produced a portion of the solution for that grant, which was great. Uh, they were very flexible um, and, and had patience with us. Again, we're early stage startup, things change, so some agility and flexibility were very important to us. Um, and then access to various uh, expertise in manufacturing uh, w was beneficial to us. Who have been uh, other partners uh, that have been instrumental in your development? So we um, possibly by consciously we've, we've kept the partners relatively limited. Uh, we expect that to change. Currently Rev1 Ventures I would say is is our partner, and they helped not only with um, the startup of the company, but with uh, some initial capital raise as well. So, um, with all of this development and with all the um, agility that you're going through, uh, what's next for Awareability? Well, we, um, you know, we we are focused heavily um, on on getting basically two projects complete, one demo of the power source, which is really key for us. So um, quite frankly, right now we're, we're heads down in development R&D, if you will, um, trying to balance some of the other things that one should be doing and needs to be doing with a small business is a challenge when we're trying to get this demo done. Um, but that really, we, we believe having something to show with some real um, tangible specifications will be a big uh, enabler for us. So certainly that is a, a, a big deal for us. Well, fantastic. I wish you the best of luck, and hopefully we can have you back on the show when things are uh, are moving along and in your next stage. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, great. No, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me.